It's been months since an audit was commissioned for the Sweetwater Union High School District, which is the second largest in the county. In late 2018, the San Diego County Office of Education ordered the audit because they found the district had misrepresented its finances and spent more money than it had. Add on the financial troubles caused by COVID-19, this district is not in a good financial position. For the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your San Diego News Fix. Kristen Takeda, you cover primary education for the Union-Tribune. An audit was released late last night and is the latest development in this saga they've been writing since 2018. What are the key points that we learned last night? Yeah, so the audit basically found two things, and this audit was focusing on activities that had been happening in the district from about 2016 to 2018. But basically what they found was two major findings. One was that the district had approved salary increases for employees in the 2017 school year, but they did so without being able to actually afford them. And then they also did so without uh, properly disclosing how much the costing uh, the salary increases would cost, and so um, that the report, the audit report, found that that had violated part of state law, which requires proper disclosure of those kinds of um, of the costs of salary increases. And then another major thing that the audit found was that basically district staff had um, approached. Uh, bond rate, they had done things to get a better looking bond rating, which would, uh, which eventually helps them get um, more favorable bond sales, but um, they did so in a way that hid uh, potentially un- uh, hid unfavorable information about the district's finances. They basically um, did it did it so that the their overall financial operations were not or their operations were not being uh, considered as part of that bond rating. And that led to um, problems with basically what the audit found was that the district had not properly uh, said like what had not been representing their finances correctly. And not only to the, their own school board, but also to um, like when it came to bond ratings. So that's Mm -hmm. what is, at stake here and it's basically not being honest about your finances. Mm -hmm. And how exactly and how long was this going on? And can you kind of characterize how deep this financial hole is? Um, So yeah, the audit focused on um, a couple of years uh, for 2016 and 2018. So um, it's in the past and then the audit was started, the audit began um, around December of 2018, but um, it's still kind of, it's still going to probably have some impact today because um, we don't like the the district is still struggling with its finances right now. And so we don't know exactly how much more in cuts we're going to see, but we've already been seeing cuts in the district. Like the district had to um, cut their learning centers. They've had to cut, make cuts to transportation routes. And so those, like all those things have caused a lot of, um, controversy and um, trouble in the district for students and they've been impacting students. So it's not like these financial woes have been um, kind of materializing for students and um, having an impact. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
And what were the series of events that led to this financial misconduct being discovered? Because it went on for several years, kind of without people noticing. How did things finally come to light? I think what happened in the summer of 2018 was, so there were two people who were named in this audit report as being um, responsible for a lot of the things that happened. Both of them are no longer in the district. They left the district in the summer of 2018. And then um, a new chief financial officer was hired for the district. And it was after that, that the district said they um, said they noticed that there were some uh, concerns about their, um, about their finances and their, and their financial books. Mm-hmm. So now at this point, uh, the audit is done. What happens next? Is there going to be litigation? Kind of who takes this next step now that this phase is over? Yeah. So basically the audit report is being, um, forwarded to other outs, uh, to other agencies that might do something with the audit results. Um, it's being forwarded to the local DA's the district attorney's office. So it's up to them if they would want to pursue any, um, pursue any charges or anything like that. And then it's also um, being forwarded to the state controller and the state superintendent of schools. And we had, we had known in the past that the securities, um, it, the securities exchange had been, uh, in, securities exchange commission had been investigating Sweetwater already. So we don't know yet whether they have, are still investigating them or whether they're going to announce anything, but um, we know they have been looking at in, looking at Sweetwater in the past. So it's up to, it's basically up to other agencies to decide whether they want to do something with these audit results and um, pursue any kind of accountability. But right mm-hmm. now, it's also just out there um, for other people to do something with it. Mm-hmm. And who exactly would be held responsible, you know, if someone chooses to take someone to court? Because, you know, this is a, a public organization, multiple people were involved in decision making, kind of where would that hammer fall if it were to fall? Well, I just know that the audit report focused a lot on the activities um, of two people who were the two people who are no longer with the district, the chief financial, former chief financial officer, and a former district financial advisor. Um, uh, And it's unclear actually where they are. They haven't been responding to um, like my phone calls or uh, messages, and then the they they did not participate in this audit investigation because one of them couldn't be found, and then the other declined to participate. So it's kind of unsure um, where they are. But they were the audit report assigned um, a lot of responsibility to those two people um, for for what had been happening in the audit report. Mm-hmm. And no matter what happens, this is misspending in a school district. This has effects on families and people who depend on these services. So in what ways will families that go to Sweetwater, how will they feel the pain? What will kind of affect the day-to-day experience of being a part of this community? Well, I think, like I um, briefly mentioned, um, families have already been feeling the pain of budget cuts. Um, This isn't something new just because of uh, the audit being released last night. But um, like the, yeah, again, there have already been budget cuts going on and they've already been hurting students and families. And so um, I think 
especially looking forward to um, next school year or just the impacts of um, COVID on all school districts. I think it's um, going to be it's it's going to be rough um, in terms mm-hmm. of um, making sure that everything can be afforded for families. Yeah, and what are some of the ways that COVID-19 is affecting school districts? We've discussed this on a previous podcast, but just to get our listeners up to speed, uh, how does the COVID thing complicate planning for the next school year? Um, I mean, it's going to affect pretty much every aspect of school life. If schools are able to bring students back to the classroom, um, they're going to have to find uh, more spaces to put students. They're going to have to um, afford more protective equipment and um, possibly some schools might have to increase staffing in order to meet with the increased demands they'll have for doing symptom checks or just making sure that students are safe and healthy um, and lowering class, uh, class sizes for students because of social distancing requirements. So it's going to be um, all those things are going to uh, a lot of those things are going to cost more money. So um, there was a state budget deal um, announced this week in which schools wouldn't have the level of uh, funding cuts that the governor had previously proposed, but it still wouldn't give um, districts more money than they did last year. And um, it could, it could, um, yeah, so those are, those still need to it's still we still need to see like what how districts are going to deal with whatever um the state budget is but um Mm -hmm. we'll see and right now what is the district's plan for reopening because it's worth noting that this school district is in the area of the county that is disproportionately affected by COVID-19 the majority of cases and deaths are in this area so how are they planning on reopening so the district is um, right now. They mentioned that they're planning to potentially start next school year with four weeks of distance learning only. So um, it would be continuing distance learning um, and not bringing kids back to the classroom yet. And then um, they mentioned after those four weeks, they might um, might gradually bring um, students back to some degree. It might be a hybrid learning situation where um, students would be attending like part of the time, but not full-time in person. So um, uh, that, that was what the district said last night was their tentative plan right now. So, um, but yeah, keeping in mind that they are being disproportionately affected by COVID. I think that's why one reason why they're choosing a more cautious approach, whereas other districts are trying to bring back students um, uh, immediately. Mm-hmm. All right, Kristen Decada, thank you so much. In other news, despite California's reopening, things haven't gone back to normal for many of the region's homeless who may have depended on the bustle of San Diego for food. Several nonprofits have stepped in, providing more meals than they have in the past. Homeless advocates say this shift is also a help to them as the meals provide another means to connect people experiencing homelessness to the services they need or as another chance to convince them to move into the San Diego Convention Center. Thank you for listening to the San Diego News Fix. If you want to learn more about San Diegans you should know, listen to another UT podcast, Name Drop San Diego. Listen to the UT's Abby Hamblin and Christy Totten as they speak with Kenneth Barless, a San Diego-based fashion designer. 
Some of his recent work can be seen in music videos for Janet Jackson and Cardi B. Name Drop San Diego is available wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is made possible by subscribers to the San Diego Union Tribune. As we live through this time in history, the truth and facts matter. If you are not yet a subscriber, please go to uniontrib.com slash subscribe. Until next time.